Today's reading is taken from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter one, chapter 14, verse 1, and then verses 7 to 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the place of least importance. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Today's sermon comes with a bit of a disclaimer. Unfortunately, we were unable to record Bishop Cam's sermon at St. John's on Sunday. He preached at both the 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. services and was incredibly funny and erudite and put some additions on his regular weekly sermon. Uh, So I'll be reading the sermon that has been published on Facebook, uh, but I encourage you to imagine what it would have been like uh, for Cam to preach this at the confirmation service at St. John's on the 1st of September 2019. On this day in Australia, it's technically the first day of spring, and though it's terribly dry, There are many colourful gardens in Toowoomba as we look forward to celebrating the 70th Carnival of Flowers later this month. To my astonishment, the daffodil bulbs that I planted in memory of my dad some months ago are starting to open, surrounded by Australian natives. And of course today is Father's Day in Australia, and so we give thanks for those we call dad, or at the very least reflect on the quality of relationship that exists between fathers, grandfathers, children and grandchildren. It seems like an obvious thing to say, but when those relationships have been positive, there is much to give thanks for, and when they have been negative, there is much to grieve. I don't think there is a single book which comprehensively explains how to be a good man or a good dad, but there are many thoughts expressed about this in poems, songs, and prose. An example that has haunted me through the years is the poem If by Rudyard Kipling, which suggests, If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them with worn out tools. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything in it. And what is more, you'll be a man, my son.
It's a bit two-dimensional until you see it lived out in the life of a man you love or respect, but quite beautiful. Hollywood offers a broad range of characters modelling what a man should be like, and these can seem more attractive because of the cinematography, music, and special effects. But many of these seem to stereotype male heroes as people who resolve conflict through violence. Last month, the movie Angel Has Fallen was released, and this was the third movie in which US Secret Service agent Mike Banning rescues the American president. I'm not sure what the final body count is, but lots of people die. And the inference is that a good man is someone who fights well, is willing to sacrifice everything for his country, and doesn't care much about collateral damage. Not to be outdone, Sylvester Stallone features this month in a movie called Last Blood, which will be released 37 years after he appeared in First Blood. Now, John Rambo is a retired veteran who takes on a Mexican drug cartel. And from the movie trailer, many people get killed and many things get destroyed. Dismayed by these offerings of what could be called toxic masculinity, where physical strength and the ability to kill is primary, the gospel reading from Luke this week, Luke 14, 1 and 7 to 14, offers two radically different ideas. Put simply, when Jesus affirmed for all who take his life and teaching seriously, is the importance of humility and hospitality in a life of faith. Not for the first time we hear about Jesus being present in his community, observing what is going on. He's been invited to a meal by a community leader who could see that some people who understand themselves as better than others had sat in places of honour without waiting to be invited by the host. We might smile as we imagine this, but I have a hunch we all do something similar if there is an inclination within us that can assume we are right and that our group is the best group. So when people look different to us, think different about politics, or make different choices, we just might look down on them. We might even assume some moral, intellectual, or economic superiority and consider them to be less than we are. Jesus unequivocally challenges this. And if we are to take it back to the first principle belief that all of humanity is made in God's image, then this makes sense. These people we look down on and think of as less are also beloved children of God. And in God, we are related to them. That homeless person, that morbidly obese person, that drug addict, that youth in juvenile detention, that person struggling to speak English, that person who voted for a political party we disagree with, all beloved children of God, even our brothers and sisters in Christ. And just in case we didn't get it, Jesus continues in the gospel. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they might invite you in return and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. This flies in the face of what anthropologists call mutual reciprocity, in which we do good for someone with the hope and expectation that they will reciprocate in kind. I think this is the way of operating we all understand, and I don't think Jesus is trying to replace it. Instead, I think he is challenging the inclination we have to do only good to the people who have the capacity to reciprocate. 
to stick with the winners and to be kind to people who will be kind in turn to us. Uncomfortably, Jesus seems to be saying that everyone has a right to be at our table in the same way that they are always welcome at God's table. So, my suggested compromise is this. Let's continue to invite those we consider to be friends and family, but over the next few months, risk inviting someone who are not part of this group, even some we currently consider to be unlovely or unlovable, trusting that God's grace will be in the midst of that time. It's not easy, and it's worth taking into prayer. Holy God, we give thanks for the gift of our lives and for your love. We give thanks for the challenge in your gospel to see other people through your eyes and be more generous and kind. We ask for the guidance and blessing of your spirit as we respond to this and pray in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.